Welcome to the podcast for Refuge City Church. We hope that the message today blesses you and inspires you to be a refuge that embraces others. Turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. I want to share a thought with you that God's been speaking to me on just over the course of some things that's happened in my life. And I know many of you that, that do desire beyond anything to see Jesus' kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you really like to partner with that part of the Lord's prayer to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? And I know many of us desire that and appreciated um, Josh's exhortation today to join with him with that. We, we long to see God's kingdom come everywhere on this planet. And I thank you here at Refuge City Church for being those kind of people. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really big on titles. Occasionally I'll m- mention them. Most of the time I won't. But the title this morning is When You Do the Right Thing. And I, I want us to ponder that because one of the things that I feel like is becoming um, not necessarily contentious but difficult is our lives are so busy and so filled with our own agenda. How many of you in here, let me just ask it this way, how many of you in here have ever been prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something for someone, and the first thing that came to your mind was, I don't have anybody besides me? Lord, man, I, I want to. Can I do this fast? You know, how long? And we always know when you do God's work, it's never going to be the speed you want it to be. Can I hear an amen on that one too? It's, it's never going to work out on your time frame. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go longer. It's going to be deeper. It's going to be wider because that's just the way God works. And so we've been conditioned that way. So we know that in our minds. So we, we, we want many times in this arena, in our culture, in our society today, it's not that we don't want to do the right thing. It's that we're so busy we can't slot it in when God says to do it. I mean, no. If we're going to be a mirror for Jesus, if we're going to be an example for Jesus, there are, there are going to have to be some things that shift sometimes in our life and our schedule goes away so that he can do what he wants to through our schedule. And this morning, this is a, a powerful story in, in Genesis chapter 24. I, I don't know that um, this, well, I'm almost sure that this probably wouldn't happen today, but the story gist, we're going to read it in just a few minutes. The story gist is um, a servant of Abraham goes back to the people of Abraham to select a spouse, a wife, for his son Isaac. And so it would basically, it would be like this morning, um, someone from another country flying here and coming up to Grace Weaver and asking Grace Weaver to do something for them. And, and she volunteers to do it. And then at the end of whatever this act of service, this particular person wanted, that person says, you're an answer to the fleece in my prayer. I need you to fly back with me to my country. You've been selected to be my master's wife. And so Grace gets on a plane tomorrow and leaves her mother and father. And, and Jamie's going, not gonna happen. I'm watching you, sis, I love you. Didn't they do beautiful lead worship today? Man, I just want to stop, stop there. Yeah, three claps. You guys need to do better, I guess. I, I don't know. So, <laughs> sounded good to me. But um, anyway, just to give you perspective, how many of you are like, survey said? <laughs> Isn't going to happen. But, but when God's involved, when God's involved and God's doing things, 
supernatural things happen, especially when you do the right thing. Let's read it. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Verse 2, so Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh. This was, this was like a handshake back in that day, but obviously it was more intimate and more detailed and had more significance. It was a bond, it was a vow, it was a covenant made between two people to do a certain task or to keep a certain promise. And I, verse three, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, perhaps the woman's not going to be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? That makes sense. Can I hear your name in? Basically, he's saying, I don't think she's going to come. So why don't we take Isaac and maybe she'll be tempted or something. Okay, verse six. But Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying, to your descendants I give you this land. So it was the land he was currently in. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman's not willing to follow you or come with you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and he went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water. So this is the well that all the women would come to to, to get water for the evening they would, they would do it in the morning, right after daylight, and then they would come just before dark. Obviously, we understand that. And they would gather water for the, for the evening in, in what they needed in their household. Then he said, O Lord God of my master. So here's, here's his prayer, the time when the women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. This is going to be big later on in the message. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened. Verse 15. He ends his prayer. Look at this. And it happened before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Malka, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young, young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin, no man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will go draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And the man, wonder, and the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets 
for her wrist weighing 10 shekels of gold and said, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? This morning, sometimes in our lives, the Lord wants us to do something before his plan is revealed concerning what he's asking us to do. There's a process. Everybody say process. Especially now more than ever, God's going to be equipping and sending his people to do things that they don't necessarily know the Paul Harvey rest of the story before they're told to do it. How many of you know that's a lot of, that, that sometimes is a big problem for some of us. I don't mind doing anything for the Lord, but I want to know the start and I want to know the ending. I, I want to know the stuff. I want to know what all this is going to entail. I want, I want to know all the nuts and bolts. Give me all the details. I want the full schematic so that I can pray about it and decide whether or not that unction or that moving of the Holy Spirit was indeed from the Lord. And I, I, want, I want to share this with you just to be boldly. And I, I, I guarantee you, all of us in here that has ever been motivated by the Holy Spirit to do something instantaneously on behalf of him for someone else, never ever will get the whole story till you're done doing what he asks you to do. It's, it's, not, it's not going to happen. And so that friction or that frustration or a person's lack of spiritual intuitiveness and spiritual connection causes many people to doubt themselves. And when they doubt themselves, they're unable to do what God asked them to do because they've already made themselves inadequate to do it. How many of you know that if, if there are so many people in the Bible that if you were to read their resume, they'd be the last person you would pick? I mean, just look at the disciples. Anybody with me? I mean, you talk about a whole motley crew of 12 guys. The only one that was qualified out of any of them was Judas. So that says something. I mean, just read your Bible. I mean, none of them were qualified to be a disciple and do administration and things of that magnitude. And the one that was, wasn't. So I want to share something with you. Don't disqualify yourself from doing what's right just because you don't think you're adequate enough to do it. God doesn't ask if he doesn't equip. God doesn't, God doesn't put it within your heart if he doesn't have a plan. And here's the problem. People wrestle with doing what's right for way too long in their life until they get to a spot that that lifts them or it's no longer a burden for them. And then they can say, well, I used to feel like I was supposed to do this, but that's not there anymore. And, or, or this one. This is the one, this is the one I think is interesting. If, if Abraham came, this is how we do in the world. If Abraham came to the servant and said, hey, I want you to go do this and take care of this situation for me and find a spouse for my wife. And the guy went, I need to go to college in wife finding, and then I want to get my masterate, my doctorate, I want to do an online course, I need to go to discipleship class before I'm prepared for that. How many of you know, if God called you, he will take you and do through you what he wants you to do, or he wouldn't have asked you to do it? All the other stuff is semantics for an excuse to not do what God wants you to do. Oh, this is good stuff, pastor. Ooh. Hmm. Obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit is probably the thing that will bring a person more reward and satisfaction in life than anything else. How many of you know, for those of you, for, the, for those of us that have done something when we were called to do something, I loved Josh's opening illustration, and whatever contact he had or contact he didn't have with that particular woman, there was something that was downloaded. How many, how many have ever had that kind of a story? 
Whether you approach the person, talk to the person, witness to the person, saw the person get saved, saw any fruit, God downloaded in you to do something on their behalf and contend for them. Intercession. Everybody say intercession. How many know intercession is starting to get to be a big thing and it never should have not been a big thing? Can I hear an amen? Eating, interceding for one another. Interceding for what I just said a few moments ago for what's about to happen in this, in this week possibly that's going to take place. We, we have to pray protection and we have to pray right now that there won't be global misunderstanding again. Can I hear an amen? There, there's, there's stuff resonating all the time, but, but I want to read this again. Obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit is without a doubt the thing that will bring a person more reward and satisfaction in life than anything else. You can get a bonus every month at, at work and, and, and never mean anything to you. You do what God tells you to do when God tells you to do it one time and you'll never forget it. That, that's a big amen. There's, there's something, and it's not just about the reward or, you know, an attaboy for you or an girl for you. That's wonderful. But it's, I listened, I obeyed, and this was the byproduct. This is what happened. There are a few quick principles that come from this text this morning that exemplify the unquestioning, obedient nature of Rebecca that blessed her life forever. So you would think by how I've started this that the story is about the servant. That's not correct. The servant just fulfilled an oath and a promise for his master and prayed that all would work out well. The weight of being obedient to the Holy Spirit's prompting and moving was on a young girl who simply went out to do her daily chores. Everybody, she's just doing her daily chore. And she doesn't know the prayer fleece. How many know what a fleece is? You, you pray something and you add in it. I wouldn't recommend this, but if some, we, we've all been there. Can I hear an amen? You know, we know Gideon did it, you know, so it's, it's there. But this, this servant prayed a fleece prayer and, and said, Lord, let the young lady that you have for my master, if my master has, has pleased you, has been pleasing in your sight, the young lady needs to not only give me a drink, but the young lady needs to make sure that my camels all drink to the full. So most, most pastors, and I'm not just making fun of this, most pastors have to do a three-point message with all the other points and everything. I'm only going to give you two today. You're going to get the, the condensed version, abridged version. How's that sound? There are only two things that, that, there are lots of things, but these two things really leapt out at me even for my own life, when I, when I saw what Rebecca did, and I, and I, I, I partnered with what Rebecca did, because how many of you know it doesn't make sense? Okay, remember the illustration I gave just a few moments ago? Someone from a foreign country walk in, and she gets on a plane tomorrow. Matter of fact, if you read the rest of the story, her mother and her brother said, no, you need to give her 10 days. You can read the whole rest of the story. You need to give her 10 days. We need to have 10 days to say goodbye and bless her. And he went, I need to leave tomorrow. So if this is going to work, you go ask her. So they went into her the next morning and said, do you want to go with him? And he said, yep, I'll go. Everybody say, huh? You can read it. When I read it, I'm like, huh? So obviously God had to be speaking in her life too. But the reason that God was able to conjoin this or connect this, how many of you know God can connect dots that don't make any sense to our logical mind? That's why he's God. Can I hear an amen? amen. So God's connecting all of this. She, get, she goes and, 
and, and wonderful things happen in her life. We're going to talk through some of that. Here, here's the first thing I have for you. Don't allow an inconvenience to hinder God's plan. I want, I want, I want that to dig in. I want, to, I, want, I want everybody to get this, and I don't say this to be abrasive. I just say this, and not just to be super spiritual. I, I really want you to get it. When God calls you to do something, it's never going to be convenient to what you're already doing. Don't know where you're going. Don't know what's on your mind. Don't know how big of a hurry you're on. But how many of you know, usually in your busy schedule, you don't slot three hours or two hours for God to interrupt it? I'm just being honest. Give me an amen. You, don't, you understand what I'm saying? And most of the time, so most of the time is I don't have time. We already dealt with that one. But the main one is I can't be inconvenienced. I, 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 that's an inconvenience for me. That's an inconvenience for me to take that much time to minister to one person when they'll probably be angry at me or not appreciate it anyway and it won't come to anything. I want to read something that really touched me and challenged me. As she stood in front of her fifth grade class on the very first day of school, she told the children an untruth even though she didn't mean to. Like most beginning rookie young teachers, she looked at all of her students and said that she cared for all of them the same. However, she would soon in her career learn that was impossible, especially because when she was saying this, there in the front row, slumped in his seat, was a little boy named Johnny Stodder. Miss Thompson had watched Johnny the year before and noticed that he did not play well, with the other children and his clothes were slovenly and messy and that he continually and constantly needed a bath. In addition, Johnny could be very unpleasant and gruff. It got to the point where Mrs. Thompson would actually take delight in marking his papers with a broad red pen making bold X marks and then putting a big F at the top of his papers. At the school where Miss Thompson taught, she was required to review each child's past records to see their progression from other grades. She put Johnny's off till the last. However, when she reviewed his file, she was in for a big surprise. Johnny's first grade teacher wrote, Johnny is a bright child with a ready smile. He does his work neatly and has the best manners. He's a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Johnny is an excellent student, well-liked by his classmate, but he's troubled because his mother was recently diagnosed with a terminal illness, and life at home must really be a struggle for him. His third grade teacher wrote, his mother's death from cancer has been very, very difficult on him. He tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest, and his home life will soon affect him if some steps aren't taken very quickly to intervene. His fourth grade teacher wrote, John is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school at all. He's basically given up and doesn't care. He doesn't have many friends and he sometimes falls asleep in my class. By now, Mrs. Thompson realized the problem and she was ashamed of herself deeply. 
She felt even worse when her students all brought her Christmas presents on the last day of school in December, wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright paper, all except for Johnny's. His present was clumsily wrapped in a big, heavy brown paper that he'd obviously cut from a grocery bag. Miss Thompson took pains to open it up in the middle of the other presents, and some of the children started to laugh when she found a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a bottle that was one quarter full of perfume. But she stifled the children's laughter and jeering when she exclaimed how pretty the bracelet was, putting it on and dabbing some of the perfume on her wrists. That day, for the first time, Johnny was straight at attention, and he stayed after class for a long time. Finally, Mrs. Thompson acknowledged him, and he walked up to her, And he said, today you smelled like my mommy used to. Thank you. After the children left, she sat at her desk and cried for quite some time. On that very day, she quit teaching, just reading, writing, and arithmetic. Instead, she began to teach children how to love and care for each other. Mrs. Thompson started paying particular attention to Johnny because she felt called to what was going to happen in the future of his life. As she worked with him, his mind seemed to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. And by the end of the year, Johnny had become one of the smartest children in the class. And despite her lie that she would love all the children the same, Johnny couldn't help but become one of her favorite teacher's pets. A year later, one afternoon, she opened up her classroom and she found a note under her door from Johnny telling her that she was the best teacher he'd ever had in the whole wide world. Six years went by before she got another note from John. He then wrote that he had finished high school third in his class, and she was still the best teacher he ever had in his whole life. Four years after that, she got yet another letter saying that while things had been tough at times, he stayed in school and stuck with it and would soon graduate from college at the top of his class with honors. He assured Mrs. Thompson that she still and forever will be the best and favoritest teacher he's ever had in his whole life. Then four years passed and yet another letter came. This time he explained that after he'd gotten his bachelor's degree, he decided to go a little farther. The letter explained that she was still the best and greatest teacher he'd ever had, but now his name was a little longer. The letter was signed, Jonathan Stotter, M.D. The story doesn't end there. You see, there was yet another letter that spring. John said he had met a beautiful young lady and was going to be married. He explained that his father had died a few years back and he was wondering, just wondering, if Miss Thompson might agree to sit at the wedding in the place that was usually reserved for the mother of the groom. Of course, Miss Thompson responded with a resounding yes. And guess what? She wore that bracelet the one with several rhinestones missing, and moreover, she made sure she was wearing the perfume that Johnny remembered his mother wearing on their last Christmas together. They hugged each other deeply, and Dr. Stoddard whispered in Mrs. Thompson's ear, thank you, Mrs. Thompson, for believing in me. Thank you so much for making me feel important and showing me that I could make a difference in this world. Mrs. Thompson, with tears rolling down her cheeks, promptly whispered back, oh, Johnny, you have it all wrong. You were the one who taught me I could make a difference. I didn't know how to even teach until I met you.
For those of you that didn't know it, John Stoddard is the doctor at Iowa Methodist Hospital in Des Moines, Iowa, which has the Stoddard Cancer Wing, one of the leading hospitals aggressively seeking cures for none other than cancer. I share that today because it's not sometimes the big grandiose things that God calls us to do. It's the little things like giving someone a drink and, and drinking, giving drinking water to camels. It's the child that doesn't add up and doesn't make sense. That looks a little slow or a little different. It's the person sitting on the side of the street corner holding a sign that causes us to be flippant and say, get a job. Warm someone's heart today. Just try to make a difference in someone's life because you never know what being kind to someone might produce. My first thought under doing something for the Lord when it's inconvenience is this. We need to go when he says go. Everybody say go. go. Just go. Look at the person next to you and say, just go already. <laughs> just go already, okay? Just go. So I, I want you to get this. I want you to get this because I, I told you I'd save this. One day, Rebecca is sent to get water. He meets this elderly dude. She meets this elderly dude she's never seen before, which is, li listen to this. Customarily, especially a young woman that's never been with the man has to be veiled and covered. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? That wasn't, that's not just a, a Muslim or Palestinian thing, but, it, but they have to be protected. They have to protect their beauty and things like that only for their husband. And she's never to speak to a man without a man's covering over her. So this is a big, huge deal. Some of you are shaking your head. You understand what I mean for us? It's like, what's the big deal? This, she broke rules right off the bat that she could have gotten in trouble with with her brother because her brother was the man of the house. You can read that in the story. And she comes out. So if you know anything about their wells or cisterns, it's not like we would think a well where you drop a rope. Some of them may have been like that. But most of the wells that I've been in in the Mediterranean and in this area are steep, steep steps that go down a long way. And they switch back, back and forth down to a big pool underground in a cistern. Everybody, that's the well system. That they dug, 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 and made paths all the way down until they struck water. So the women go, that's why they went after daylight, and that's why they went before dark. Because they couldn't see in the cave to get the water. So in our mind, when we think of a well, you know, an old-time well, you understand what I'm saying. That's not how it is in the Mediterranean. So she switched back all the way, however long this was, and she got this pitcher of water, and she came back out, and you're like, Pastor, what's the big deal? She gave the guy a drink. Well, let me tell you. Um, this elderly man asks. She says yes. Then, then she does what the, whole, what the whole title of this message is about. She does the right thing. She has compassion, and she looks over and realizes somehow... His 10 camels haven't been watered. This is a big inconvenience. You may say, Pastor Jim, what's the big deal? I'm going to read it for you. I did some math. I know, I know, it's hard to believe I did. <laughs> so one, listen to this. I didn't know this until I did a little study. One camel can drink 20 gallons of water. Wow. One time, one sitting. 20 gallons of water. Okay, what's the big deal, Pastor Jim? If you do the math, 
10 camels at 20 gallons equals 200 gallons drawn with the five-gallon jar on her shoulder. That equals 40 trips to the well. 40 trips at just three minutes just three minutes apiece, which it probably was longer than that, but I just did three minutes. 40 trips at three minutes equals two hours to water this guy's camel, camels she doesn't even know. So why is my very first point, we got to get past the inconvenience? Because when you do the right thing, it's going to inconvenience you, but there's a big reward coming at the end of it. Little did she know that her actions were the answer to a servant's fleece and prayer and the plan of a sovereign God. All she did was do what she felt she should do. She just did the right thing. But in so doing, she became the bride of Isaac. Go when God says go. Here, here's the next thing I want you to think about. When, when you allow the inconvenience to not play in your mind, to not try to talk yourself out of something, small opportunities bring the biggest dividends. So many times we think that doing something for the Lord has to be this great and grandiose event. How many of you know it could just be being a fifth grade teacher that loves a child that's going through the worst hell of his life? Give me an amen on that. It could just be stopping for someone that you've judged and sitting down on the grass next to them at Arby's and asking them about their life and where they've come from. I don't have time for that. Someone may see me. Do you realize, I don't want to reiterate what I said before, do you realize if any of the other ladies had seen Rebecca doing this and talking to this man and assisting him, they would have run back and tattled and guess what would have happened? You don't want to know. When in actuality, small opportunities like watering some camels can bring the greatest blessings. I told you I only had two points, here's the second one, then we're going to pray. When you give, you get back more than you ever thought. How do you measure up? When you give, you get back more than you ever... How, how do you measure up? Pastor Jim, that's kind of a confrontive question. Well, it's biblical, so Jesus is going to confront you in a minute, not Pastor Jim. And I'm going to read the verse of Scripture in Matthew. It's in two other Gospels as, as well. But Jesus says, to the measure that you give to someone, it will be measured back to you. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So the measuring scale in heaven isn't based on your convenience, your timeline. It's based on your obedience and your yes. How many of you like to receive blessings? Come on, some of you are not telling the truth. How many of you like to receive blessings, okay? I know you don't like the whole raise the hand thing, Pastor Jim, but... For many... That's a very scary standard. I mean, no, that's a, that's a pretty tough scan, standard. It really is. I mean, you think about it. I, I don't want to be measured on what I put out. I want to be measured on the fact I'm just a good guy. God, because I'm a good guy and I'm busy doing your work, I don't have time to do all this stuff, and you just give me credit points anyway. Don't think you haven't thought the same thing I have. I just want to share with you, heaven has no credit points with unduly offerings. For many, this is a very scary standard. We set the standard of what we receive by what we give to God. Listen to this. Everybody look up here. This is going to be powerful for you this morning. Rebecca gave more than she was asked and received back more than she ever expected to get. 
Pastor Jim, how do you know that? Rebecca gave more than she was asked. Over two hours, she watered somebody's camels she didn't even know because of a prayer fleece. What's the big deal? Let me, everybody look up here. You know what the big deal is? You're here today. Everyone look at this. You're here today because over 7,000 years ago, Rebecca did the right thing and watered 10 camels. Because Rebecca is the great, 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 great grandmother of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pastor Jim, he'd have found somebody else. No, he wanted her. And the way he got her was she had to water camels and be inconvenienced because what was measured to her. Now, all of you ladies in here, look at me, just you ladies. How many of you wouldn't mind being inconvenienced for God to be the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ? Here's the issue. At the time, Rebecca didn't do it knowing that. Rebecca did it because it was the right thing to do. Give what you can. You'll be amazed at what God will give you in return and what he will do through you in return. One day, one day a lady shook hands at the back door of a large church to D.L. Moody. If you know your church history, D.L. Moody was one of the most powerful revivalists of the 19th century. She shook hands with D.L. Moody who had spoken boldly and very convictingly at the service that morning trying to motivate people to be a witness and share their love of Jesus Christ to their lost loved ones. This lady got extremely frustrated with D.L. Moody's sermon that morning, so she immediately, as she shook his hand, criticized him for his methods and passion for being so dogmatic concerning saving the lost of this world. She said, you are just too intense and unrealistic about your love for the lost. It's not that big of a thing. Moody's reply was some, somewhat interesting. He said, I agree with you, man. I don't like the way I do it either. I guess I am a little too intense, so tell me how do you do it? The lady replied, well, I don't choose to do it at all. I figure they can find the Lord their own way. They know where the church is if they want to come. Moody furrowed his brow, frustrated, retorted quickly back at her. Well then, madam, I like my way of doing it a whole lot better than your way of not doing it. <laughs> Lastly this morning, Generous giving blesses everyone around you. When you're willing to be inconvenienced, when you're willing to measure it not based on your measuring scale, but God's measuring scale, because of your actions, you may not realize the ripple effect of blessing that will happen on your family and generations and people down the line. You see, when Abraham's servant realized, realized that she was the one, he brought out gold articles and rich garments. You can read that in the rest of chapter 24. I urge you to do that this afternoon. He went, he went to 
Rebecca's house, she already got the gold bracelets and the nose ring worth far more than she could ever make in her lifetime just for being the person that God has chosen. But because of her act of obedience and her measuring and just doing the right thing, this is what it, this is what happened. This is what happened. This gentleman showed up at her brother and mother's house and the blessing, listen, listen to this, the blessing you give will always overflow and touch the lives around you even if you don't realize it or see it. Do you ever wonder what happened if certain people wouldn't have been willing to give when you needed a gift? When you needed a hand? Let, let, let me give you this. this, this isn't heavy. What if Noah would have said, I don't do boats? What if David said, I don't fight giants. Here's a big one. What if Mary said, I don't do virgin births that mess up my wedding? What if Paul said, I don't do letters? Here's the biggest one in law. What if Jesus had said, I don't do crosses? A lifestyle of generous giving will outlive you and bless those in your family. He left hundreds of thousands of dollars equivalent today to her brother and her mother. It was beyond just a dowry. Because of what Rebecca did, it blessed her whole house and her whole family. A lifestyle of generous giving will outlive you and bless your family from generation to generation to generation. Here's the question this morning. Are you willing to slow down your life enough to hear God's plan and just do the right thing? Stand with me this morning. never want to give an give up an opportunity for someone that may be here as a visitor today that came to do the greatest thing of all the most amazing and powerful and wonderful thing of all and that is to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior I just want everybody if you would just for a few moments to bow your head before I just pray a, a prayer over us and we be dismissed for our activities today if you're here this morning and you would say Pastor Jim, before I can be used of the Lord like I want to be and desire to be, I probably need to join his kingdom. And I need to invite him to change me, to equip me and to prepare me. And I want his spirit to move in me. There are some things in my life, especially over what... What Megan's saying, what, what that young lady saying a few moments ago, there's some guilt and condemnation I need to be free of today. I'm tired of packing it. And I truly want to be free of it. I truly want to ask the Lord to forgive me and be Lord of my life. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand real quick. Boldly, boldly, just raise it up. Thank you. Le- leave it up. Leave it up. Don't, don't be shy. Just put it up and leave it up. Mm. 
There's some individuals with their hand raised. I just want you to put your arm around them if you're sitting beside them. Don't ask them anything. Don't embarrass them. Just put your arm around them this morning. And just, I want you just to leave your hand up. This is your sig- signifying saying, Jesus, I want to do the right thing with you before I can do the right thing in life. And I want, I want everybody this morning, we haven't done this in a long time, I, I want everybody this morning to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you chose to do the greatest thing and to die for my sins. I believe that you're my Savior. I believe that I'm your child. And I ask today for you to take away all my guilt, all my shame, all the stuff. I want to be free. I want to serve you with all my heart, with all my mind, and with all my soul. I believe in you. And I ask you to receive me as I receive you. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you and I praise you this morning for this awesome time together. Father, again, we come before you for this this man in Portland. It's, It's right in the middle of life and death. Lord, we pray for life upon him right now and life more abundantly. Lord, I pray that you'll send angels into that room. And Father, I ask right now that you'll reach down and Lord, you can use any one of us to be an angel for somebody. Lord, I thank you for the Miss Thompsons of this world that realized an issue and stepped in to a destiny. Father, I thank you today for your blessing on this congregation. And Lord, I pray that upon each and every one of us that you will use us maybe to minister to somebody that changes their destiny and their trajectory in this life and in this future forever and ever. Father, go with us today. And Lord, Lord, I, I pray this. I pray you'll make, me, make us inconvenienced for you, if that's what it takes. Father, may, may we not see it like we used to see it. May we not just blow by it. May we stop. May we be still and know. May we hear you. May we react when you speak. Father, bless us, I pray. And Lord, thank you for the blessings that will come from it. Not that we're doing it for that motivation. But Lord, I, I ask that you will bless us as we be your hands and your feet to a hurting person that may never know you except through us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit refugecity.church for more information on how you can become a part of that team. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can take a screenshot and share it on your social stories, and make sure to tag us at Refuge City Church. Thanks for listening.